Welcome back to the Pats from the Past podcast. Matt Smith alongside with Brian Morey. It's time for part two of our conversation with Patriots Hall of Fame linebacker, Teddy Bruschi. So does 2001 feel better than 2007 hurts? I don't know if I articulated that right. You know what I'm saying? You know what, Matt? That's a great question because, damn, that hurts. That 2007 season but that feeling of joy and accomplishment for 2001 is just off the charts that it can't compare to it. But I still remember the one that got away, you know, and I remember being in captain's meetings here and it was me and Brady and say, and a lot of the captains were in there talking about, you know, don't take us out. Don't take us out because we're not, we're not just trying to win the Super Bowl. We're trying to win the Super Bowl, the one that would trump them all. I mean, this is week, week 15, week 16, week 17, you know, what we're all trying to accomplish. And it was never said that we're trying to go undefeated, but we all look around thinking, we know what we want to do, guys, and making sure Bill knew what we want to do, too. And, and I'm just proud of that team for trying to do something that had never been done before. And that's why I'm so proud of that team. And then you see a couple of years later when the Colts turned it down, when they're 14, you know, and they're pulling all these starters out when they're playing the Jets. And I'm in my kitchen going, I can't believe what I'm seeing. She's like, I can hear how it can, in his voice. How can you turn right. it down? How can you turn it down and not try to do that? Um, that's the respect, Teddy, as you're talking about. Don't take us out of the game. Yeah. We got something here. There's a carrot in front of us, a heck of a lot bigger than a carrot. We got something here to try to shoot for. And we're going to shoot for it. And that's why I respect every one of those players on that 07 team. And, and I know Moss was there and Wilker was there and a lot of those guys. And me and Randy talk about it often. That's, I mean, for Junior, we wanted to get it for Junior too. You know, there was so many multiple special layers that was, that was going on that year. But, um, you know, that's, but I would say the 01 joy still, still can overwhelm that feeling of loss. Do you remember where you were watching the game winning kick? Watching the game win- in, in 2001. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, which one? I mean, I, I mean, I remember, I remember the one I was in the snow. I remember the one, you know, for Adam Vinatieri and Larry Izzo jumping on my back and me just calling out, Mama, we did it, Mama. <laughs> <laughs> you know, over to my mom in the, in the, in the stands who was over there with my wife and everyone. But yeah. I remember going through, and I thought to myself, seven seconds is a long time. I wonder if there'll be one second left, but they just ran it all off. And yeah, I'm they glad did. They did. Yeah. <laughs> and they changed the rule. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, Teddy, where did the origin, if you will, of how do we feel? When did that, like, when oh, did man. you decide or who decided? Yeah. And how did that come about as you were talking about your leadership maybe developing yeah. throughout your career? I think I. In the training camp year of 2000, I think that was 2003, 2003, we played the Eagles the first game. Another no, Bills, the Bills, the Bills, the Bills. That was 30, 03, that was 03 season, right? Yep, yeah, 31 zip. Okay, yeah, yeah. And um, I'll, in the stretch line in training camp, I would just, we'd all be hooping and hollering, and I'd break out and, oh, yeah, that was nice, or something like that. And um, Antoine Smith liked that. Antoine Smith, our running back back then, big back, I used to call him. And then we, of course, get beat by the Bills 31 to zero. And then we come back and we beat the, uh, beat the Philadelphia Eagles the next night and the next week. And then we're in the locker room and, and Antoine Smitty says to me, Hey, Brew, 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 do that, uh, do that, uh, yeah, yeah, let's do the, uh, oh, yeah thing. I'm like, what? 
let's do oh yeah. So immediately I'm thinking, man, how can I get these guys to say oh yeah? And then I'm like, oh, it's, well, it's got to be a response to a question or something. Then I'm like, all right, the first time I think was, all right, how do we feel about a victory? And then everybody just said, oh yeah. And then so <laughs> that was sort of the start of it, you know, just sort of an organic expression um, that we did in the locker room. Then from there, the questions just became more elaborate in terms of win streaks and winning in back then San Diego and turning out the lights on the San Diego superchargers, you know, and making NFL history. And how do we feel about Bill Belichick as our coach when he was going through a tough time and, and all of that stuff, you know, it all, it took a lot of creativity because there were times I was on the sideline thinking to myself, okay, how am I going to break it down? <laughs> Fourth quarter, five minutes left. I know we're only up by seven, but okay, but how am I going to break it down? <laughs> so there was a little premeditation about absolutely, it. Absolutely. I like it. Yeah. That's what a yeah. good artist does. He puts some time into it. Once in a while. He learned preparation under right. Coach Belichick. Right. Once in a while, I'll text Slater, too, during the game. And I'll be like, hey, Tex, I mean, he's Slate. Uh, today was the old man's 300th. Make sure you get that in. Like that. But I know Slate's all over it. I just, you know, just, but I know he does a great job with it. He's got his own style. A worthy successor. Is he a worthy yeah, yeah. successor? <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Does it surprise you that 17 years later, if you're telling us it started in 03, that there are fans, Teddy, that remember it and remember you as the innovator and the originator of that. And there are fans that post things social media wise about it. And it's it has endured and really gotten even bigger and better in over 17 years. Does that surprise you? Uh, it has. It has. I mean, I mean, it just the expression. I guess just 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 an expression of joy, really. And you know, I think over the course of social media, I think everyone just when it's good, it's 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 more receptive, you know, and just to express yourself after something good has happened and you've and you won. It, it, the guys like it too because you only play one game every week, you know. And if you get that win, just to be able to let it out like that, it's almost like there it is. Do the all oh, yeah, and then now we can calm down. Yeah, enjoy it. You're the you're a member of uh, the last team to ever win back to back championships. You yeah. You win in Jacksonville. I think um, you know people remember you pregame with your sons on the <laughs> field and what a great moment that was. And then you got. Um, Elected to was that your first Pro Bowl? That was my first Pro Bowl. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What did that? You know, you talk about your evolution as a player, and geez, well, I don't know what a hook is. You know, I don't know what yeah. this is. Yeah. And I know around here, Pro Bowls don't mean anything. You know, and it's about championships here. What did that mean to you to finally um, receive that recognition, Teddy? You know, it was it was incredibly hard to make because I mean, Ray Lewis was a linebacker, and Zach Thomas was a linebacker, and they're incredibly good AFC linebackers. So many of them were there, and so for me to finally get there was was an incredible sense of you know, excuse me, individual accomplishment. I guess something I never was, you know, too too, you know, too focused to get, but still to get the nod a little bit. It was. It was fulfilling. I remember when Bill announced it in the team meeting and everybody just exploded because I remember coming in after making the interception uh, versus the Dolphins in the snow and Heward telling me, he's like, hey, Damon Heward, our backup quarterback, if you don't make the Pro Bowl this year, something's wrong. And I was like, whoa, this is actually possible. You know, I mean, the only thing I had ever thought about through the course of my NFL career was learning to play linebacker and then being an every down starter, staying healthy for all 16, helping us win a championship. So that, that was my pro process. So 
this was an accomplishment for me. I didn't consider it a huge accomplishment, but it, it was nice to say that you've done it. And before we get to what happened after that, mm-hmm. it was actually O2. And I remember you telling this story, Thanksgiving O2. You guys have a blitz called in Detroit where the, both linebackers are going to come. Whichever way the protection slides, yeah. that linebacker pulls out. That was the origination of the boogeyman thing. Yeah. yeah. You, you pull yeah. out, yeah. read Joey Harrington, make the interception, pick six. Yeah. And you've described that play as that was kind of the day yeah. you knew you had it. Yeah, that was my I made it play, really, because that involved everything that I was trying to learn over the course of all those years learning to play linebacker from putting my hand down to being up. Now I thought, okay, I got it. Because first it was for uh, you call the defense and then it's formation recognition and they came out at an empty set, which means there's no backs in the backfield. So now you have to adjust the defense that was just called to what the adjustment is. So there's the linebacker knowing formations and having to make the adjustment. So I line up on uh, the inside receiver, the number three receiver counting from the outside in one, two, three. You got to line up on this side. So what my new responsibility is, is to blitz. But as you blitz, you have to read the protection. So there it is, post-snap, while the play is going on, recognizing what's happening and then going to another adjustment. So the guard actually kicks out to me to block me. And if that happens, now you drop back to the center of the field, get your eyes back, and now you have to pattern read. If there's a slant coming, you have to go step in front of that slant. So recognizing the pass, the, the, the pattern, and then recognizing what you have to do and then dropping back. So now I'm dropping back as a linebacker because I recognize something else. So I did that. Now get your eyes back to the quarterback. Now read the quarterback, which is something I had never done before because now you're reading his eyes and his intentions. Here comes the ball. Now catch it which is something I didn't do at all in college. So the ball was there after all those adjustments. He puts it up, caught the football. All right, I've caught an interceptions before, now score. So taking that to the house, reading the blockers, getting to the sideline, all of that happened within one play. Mm. And all of that is what I was trying to learn and to have it all sort of happen in that one play. It sort of encapsulated my entire progression to where that's probably the play that told me I could do it. As a teachable moment, again, with your kids, you know, oh, dad, I got this. I got this. Can you then tell them, hey, look, at this point in my professional career, I'm at the highest level that you could be at. Don't necessarily tell me that you have it because it took me six years before I knew that maybe I had, you know, I could play in this. Not that you couldn't play, but now I have it. That's something that you can certainly pass along to your kids, isn't it? The lesson to everyone, even even like young football players that are trying to find their way is you've got a long-term goal, but in the meantime, what can you do while you're learning it? That's, that was like, that was the extra layer of it. Yeah. I want to play linebacker. I have to learn to play outside uh, uh, the off the ball linebacker, but they're just not going to let me sit there and learn and do nothing. You still have to prove your worth to whatever team you're with. So special teams, situational pass rusher, that's what I was. That's the cactus package. So I got that and I got it. But still, the other layer is still learning to progress at that other goal that you have, but still proving my worth in, in the immediate time. Mm. Great lesson. Great lesson. So, Go ahead. Go ahead. So after you reach that Pro Bowl level. Right. right. Individual high. Again, he said, yeah. he said, I don't want to make too big of a deal about it because he knows that there are bigger fish to fry yeah. in this town. Yeah. But your career is dealt a setback and your personal life, obviously a huge scare. Yeah. My stroke. Yes. 
Yeah. What? Well, well, I mean, what are you <laughs> thinking at that point? Is it, are you thinking it's over? Oh, I immediately thought it was over. I mean, when my when my doctor put his hand on my shoulder and and told me I've had a stroke, I was like, "What are you talking about?" The only time I've heard the word "stroke" is on a golf course. You know how many strokes you're going to give me? Any hand handicap and things like that. You know, so it was it was sort of crazy. But waking up in the middle of the night on February fifteenth, and you know, you know, ended up in the morning, sort of loss of vision, loss of left field of vision in both my eyes, numbness down the left side of my body. I didn't even know I was having a stroke. You know, so calling the trainers. You know, what should we do? Them immediately telling me to call 911, get to make sure you get to Mass General because that's where the Patriots wanted, you know, everything to happen. So getting down there, you have the stroke. You realize I have the hole in my heart. I got to have surgery, all of this stuff. And, and it's like, well, my football career is over. And, you know, I just thought that, you know, that it was just not possible to ever be done because no one had ever done that before. So I thought my career was over. Would you have been okay with that, Teddy? Yeah, I would have been okay. I mean, I mean, she accomplished a lot up until that, until that point, and you could, it'd be easy to say, you know, God just telling you that's enough, and you got to move on. And this was this is just the hand you've been dealt. It would have been incredibly sad, but I think I would have been able to accept it. Um, at that point, I couldn't see, I couldn't walk right. They wouldn't let me drive. Um, still had to have the procedure to close the hole in my heart. I had a lot of things to happen. So I knew I was pretty messed up. And even in my mind, I thought something was wrong with me medically. Like, like, like what's wrong with you? You're short circuiting up there in your brain. This shouldn't be happening. You got problems. So yeah, you need to stop playing football. So I think I would have been fine. Then what, then what motivates you at that point in time? Young family, young wife, you've had some success, you know, at least, you know, from a team standpoint and everything. What pushes you at that point in time to say, nope, I'm going to I'm going to try to do this? Well, it's just, man, if it was possible, I wanted to give it a shot. And, you know, there were times where it just was not possible because I could not see. And if you can't see to your left, you're just going to get laid out on the football field and you're a danger to yourself. So, I mean, the time was 1223, you know, and I remember that time vividly and seeing a digital clock at 1223 because what I saw when I looked at digital clocks usually was like 223. I couldn't really see. I'd have to turn my head to get the right look on, the, on a clock to tell the time. Um, but slowly, you know, that little digital clock and they have little pieces of the number, like a bottom of the one and the top of the one. It's, it was weird because the, the bottom of the one started to show up a little bit. And then and then the top of the one started to show. And then that little battery symbol that says, you know, you need to put a nine volt battery in your in your in your clock. You know what I mean? That little symbol right there. We had a digital clock up top uh, on a dresser because my wife was uh, breastfeeding Dante, our son, who had just been born. And I could, I woke up one night and I saw the whole clock and I saw the little battery symbol. And I'm like, whoa, I can see. Maybe this is possible. Wow. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. Literally, the light shines. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, bat- the light put shines. Put a nine volt battery right. in your clock, man. Right. Yeah. You are listening to the Pats from the Past podcast brought to you by who but WB Mason. WB Mason delivers all of your business essentials for free with no minimum order. Break room, furniture, facilities, maintenance, office supplies, and so much more. For the latest delivery of business products, nobody does it better than who but WB Mason. So it's funny because I go on outside the lines. I'm, I'm on outside lines with Jackie McMullen, right? And with, this is when you were coming back. Yeah. And she's arguing that you shouldn't come back. Right. And I'm arguing that you should come back if 
you know, if the doctors are clearing you and you think you can do it. And I remember a buddy calling me and he goes, man, you just got slapped around on ESPN by Jackie <laughs> McMullen. <laughs> yeah. I was like, no. I mean. But but I figured, you know, you were you had to know the risks. Yeah. What they were, and if you were willing to do it with a family and the doctor saying you could do it, then you could do it. Yeah, and almost – I related to this – I read into this a couple of weeks ago when I was on NFL Live when they were talking about Alex Smith and how his injury and he developed sepsis and the the infection and he almost had to take his leg and he – I mean life-threatening type right. of stuff. Right. And he wanted to search around and see who was – who he could call and talk to who had done this before. Yeah, and the doctors are like, yeah, man, there's nobody. Nobody's come back from this. And that's what it was like for me. Because I remember the conversation with my doctor. And I was like, give me the phone number of the guy that's done this before so I can ask him all the 100 questions, 100 questions that I have. Is my brain going to explode? Is the device in my heart going to get moved? Is it going to move if I, if I uh, get hit or something like that? And he said, yeah, Teddy. Yeah, you'd be the first. <laughs> I said, I'll call you back. Right. You know, it's like, it's like, bro, I mean, I don't, you don't know if you want to be that guy. Oh yeah. Quotation marks here for you listening. Data free zone. And that's what they told me that I'd be in a data free zone to where every two weeks, Teddy, when you come back to Massachusetts General Hospital during the, during the football season and we do the bubble test to see if the device still works, we'll be taking all that data for the next guy. So I was like, okay, so you got to play that guinea pig role. But for me, this is what I knew, guys. I mean, if I didn't give it a shot five years, ten years down the road, I'd regret it. And if they were telling me it's possible, and they were, but doctors, everyone out there, you know what doctors do. It's never black and white. It's like gray. Uh, chances are slim. Or it shouldn't. And all of those words, it's like, hey, can I get a, like a definitive answer here? But you don't have those moving forward. And those are the things emotionally you just have to deal with. So as a trailblazer, Teddy, my <laughs> words, not yours, but you're a trailblazer here. You know, and now today you're working with stroke victims and people can see you and those that get to meet you in person can actually maybe physically touch you and you can be the symbol for, you know what? I did it. Don't yeah. give up. And, and don't give up. And a lot of them tell me, well, I'm not even going to try and come back to play in the NFL. Right. All I got to do is get back to picking up my kids and having a healthy lifestyle and getting back to my desk job and doing what I do. So I appreciate you setting the example that it's possible. And, of course, I mean, even since my recent episode, I had another stroke, a mini stroke, a TIA, a trans ischemic attack last July 4th. And, you know, I mean, I lost my left face. It all drooped and my my speech was slurred. And, you know, I, I had a lot of other symptoms that ended up ended up getting better after my second stroke. But people just constantly, you know, want to talk to me about it. And I talk to a lot of stroke survivors and, you know, that's what Teddy's team does. It's my foundation. And we raise awareness for stroke. I mean, the warning signs of stroke, the balance issues that I had, the loss of eyesight, the facial droop, the arm weakness, the speech, the slurred speech, you know, time to call 911. You know, that's just the thing that I try to preach over and over again. Be fast is the acronym. And if I'm that guy that everybody looks to and the other people that have to get the same procedure that I got in my heart, and I've heard so many times my doctor said, I got to get the brewski. And they tell them the story. I'm proud of that. I'm proud of that. And um, I'm 
things are going well for me now, and Teddy's team is doing well, and it's changing a lot of lives. So, Teddy, were they able – I mean, obviously, the hole in the heart contributed to the first stroke. Yes. What, what about the most recent one? That's the thing. Going forward, after the first stroke, they closed the hole in my heart. They put me on a baby aspirin and thought that you know, things would go well, and it did for 14 years. You know, and so I had the episode again on July 4th, and it once again, it was ischemic, they believe, uh, in terms of ischemic means sort of a clotting issue. So they put me on a stronger blood thinner where I can still be active and live a healthy lifestyle, which I'm very fortunate of. But that was the adjustment then because they thought, okay, that the aspirin was fine, but uh, just to be safe, let's go this route. And, you know, that's that's where I am now. So I asked you, you know, if it had, if you never played again, would you have been all right? And you said no. But that, you seeing the, I said, the yeah, nine, I right. would have been fine. Yeah, I but yeah, but you you see the light on the digital battery, and you know yeah. I have to change it. And yeah. so now you say I'm going to try and do this. Was it a yeah. difficult decision to try to do that, Teddy? Brian talked about when he got beat up on ESPN or whatever it was. But yeah. how difficult was that for you and your wife? Yeah, a lot of people disagreed with my decision, you know, and they thought, you know, why did I have to do it? I mean, you'll get. You'll get questions. I got questions from the closest of people in my life telling me, why are you doing this? I mean, you've played nine years. You've been in the Pro Bowl. You've made plenty of money. You've won championships. You're fine. But that's not living life, you know. This was a challenge for me, and it was something that I needed to do just to prove to myself that, no, I'm not going to just live in hiding, you know, because I've had a stroke. And it was something at first I was ashamed of. Hmm. And it took me a little while mentally to heal um, longer than it did physically, uh, mentally and emotionally to get to the point where, you know what, I'm proud to be a stroke survivor, you know, because that's that's just sort of the process that people go through. But imagine telling your wife too, <laughs> hey, no. you know, and I want to play football again. And she's like, what? Right. You are my husband and the father of my three children. We need to talk because I don't know if this is a good idea. That's a supportive partner. <laughs> yes. That's very a supportive, supportive partner. Very supportive. Well, yes. and if I'm not mistaken, I think Bill Belichick broke down the, uh, oh, yeah. Oh, man. That was so After great. The Buffalo yeah, game. that's my favorite one. <laughs> I was about to break it down. He's like, no, 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 no. I got this. I want to know how we feel about having Teddy Bruschi back. And then the, oh, yeah. (laughs) It could have been a little more rhythmic. but uh, (laughs) He needs some more. I appreciate it. Not his strong suit. Um, (laughs) That was was 13 weeks. Am I right about that since the stroke when you come back against Buffalo? I mean, that's that's remarkable. And when you're being introduced, and they don't introduce individuals around here. They, you know, mentioned starting lives and everything. But I remember vividly coming out of the tunnel and your name being introduced. What did that mean to you? It was chilling. Really, it's uh, and scary. <laughs> I mean, I didn't know how it was going to go. You know, I'd say that first I came off a of PUP, ended up playing the last part of the season. And um, I didn't know if I was making the right decision, to tell you the truth, because there was all that gray the doctors would tell me. But that reception in Gillette Stadium that that night was something I'd never forget. And, you know, people still talk to me about it today. I was I was there at that Buffalo Bills game, you know, and. I remember you making that tackle on the first and second play and and all of that stuff and it was it was it was uh, this one of the most special pregame moments I've ever had in my career definitely the most special yeah so now that you look back on it are you happy and do you feel like it was a difficult decision I'm really happy and I'm proud of myself for doing this because nobody said 
you broke the mold here. You're the first one to do it. Do you feel good about yourself at that point in time that you got to play an additional, what do we talk about? Oh, four three years. plus years, four years? Four yeah. years, yeah. Um, I do, um, I look at stroke survivors today and, I mean, anybody out there that are survivors of adversity, cancer, losing a loved one, anything, and coming back from the most difficult adversity you have in your life, I mean, it's, it's your own little comeback, you know? Um, I mean, it's, it's, your, it's, 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 it's huge. You know, there's a huge magnitude of it that in your life, it's the most difficult thing that you're going through. So it equals to what I went through. I mean, even though I went back to play professional football, put on a helmet, started button heads again with the very brain that I had a, a brain injury to, that's different. That was mine. I mean, yours to come back for your comeback. All the stroke survivors I work with, I believe it that their comeback is just as special as mine. And they have the same feeling I felt that night in their heart, but it's a different, it's a, it's a, on a different scale in terms of attention and things, but it's still just as special. What does the backer brotherhood, is it backer brotherhood? Backerhood. 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 Yeah. It's what's uh, that fraternity like? I think each, I mean, I know what Hightower's going through, Van Oy's going through, Elandon Roberts, you know, what the, their grind, you know, they call it, you know, all the way back to McGinnis and Slade and, and everyone. Then Tippett, Tippett knows about the backerhood too. I mean, that's, I mean, he started it, man. Um, just a brotherhood that all of us have in terms of, you know, we know what it takes to play the position, the commitment you have to make. And when we see, I mean, even even guys like, you know, Luke Keekley have to retire, you know, and but him have the success that he had all the way to Hightower and and everyone that Jamie Collins, different teams. I mean, it almost it, it just spreads in terms of that linebacker position. I mean, the quarterbacks don't have their only thing. No, it's not just the quarterbacks. You know, every position you know has a mutual respect amongst players, but it's even more special when you're wearing a uniform that, you know, that that we have worn in the past and we see you, you know, upholding the standard that we've tried to set and just an incredible sense of pride when I think of the linebackers here today and what they did. That's that special little thing with the boogeyman. They put a nice little name on it last year. And uh, that little play we talked about in Detroit for me was a form of that boogeyman defense that they have, you know, not knowing who's rushing, who's dropping out to confuse the quarterback, get the interceptions, those type of things. So they're still doing the same stuff, but they're doing it just as well. And that's why the pride that guys like, you know, McGinnis and I who are in the media and played that linebacker position um, really respect the guys that are in this locker room. And you have a rocking chair with all the numbers carved into oh, yeah. the arm. T tell us the rocking chair story. So – I think it was, I don't know what year that was. That might have been 06 or something like that when all the linebackers that were left were over 30 years old. And Belichick called it, I don't know, an old man's club, club med, something. I don't know, to where he was joking about it with us. And we walked into our meeting room and all the comfortable chairs had been taken out and they'd been replaced with rocking chairs. So, and we had to use them the entire year. <laughs> So we had to buy our own cushions to put on there. I'm buying Tempur-Pedic cushions to put on my rocking chair and all that stuff. And I'm sitting there rocking and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to personalize this thing. And so I would carve in the initials of every coach that was there since uh, my rookie year. And then I'd carve in all the numbers of all the guys all the way back to, you know, Slade. And there are multiple numbers, you know, like 
have been used, but I put stickers on mine. I mean, it was, it was like elaborate. Everybody knew who my chair was and I still have it to this day, actually. Yes, I still have it. And do you have the cover of Sports Illustrated maybe hanging over? Because there's probably not a lot of Sports Illustrated covers that have the linebackers on it. You remember the, I remember the yeah. photo shoot in 07. Yeah. You, mm-hmm. Rosie, um, Mike, Junior, Junior, Adelius, a hell uh, of yeah, a cover. Yeah. Hell of a cover. Still have that. Yeah, still smiling. I think the <laughs> the headline was when we were still undefeated at that point, and uh, it was a good group. Really loved playing with Junior Seau. That was, I mean, even when I was when I was a younger linebacker learning. I mean, I was watching. We'd watch opposing offenses, but when Junior was playing with them, I just watched Junior. You know, because uh, he he had that type of impact coming off the film. But uh, yeah, the the special the Sports Illustrated something is is cover was is is special. Yeah. So when '09, Teddy, when you made the decision to retire, were yeah. you at peace? Did you come to peace? You no, know, I was. I was because it's different. It was different for me, and that's why I understand everyone that that wants to still move on and play. But that was my fourth year after a stroke, and. You know, I don't count a lot of tackles, my career tackles, but I made 366 tackles as a stroke survivor. And I was proud of that, you know. So uh, we were still trying to win that championship in 07, you know, and that didn't happen. And I got to playing good football again, leading the team in tackles, I think. But still, I knew when the time came, I mean, the time came. I wasn't going to try to play for any organization. The extra attachment of how Mr. Kraft and the organization even embraced me during my stroke and Mr. Kraft sending me to Wild Cornell Medical Center in New York to get another opinion. That's not, that's just, that's not an organization. That's a family, you know? So I knew I was playing for the best coach, you know, in the history of the game. All right. And when he told me it was time, it was going to be time. And so we had that meeting and Bill thought that, you know, you play, we think it's time to move on. And I was like, you know what? I agree. I'll go home and talk to Heidi and it's time. I think so too, coach. So next day, of course, we had the press conference. And it's going to be a hard conversation. I, that can't be an easy conversation. It is. And I think I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. You know, those points where you see yourself on film and they splice in the same defense of like seven years ago. And there was me seven years ago. And then there was me uh, the other day in practice. And it's like, ooh, I used to be fast. <laughs> Man. The film doesn't lie. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> don't worry. I tried to talk to talk him out of it for a little bit. But uh, nah, it was uh, – I just knew – I agreed. It was, it was time for me to move on. Were you blown away when he referenced you at that press conference as the perfect patriot? I was like, who is this guy? Yeah. You didn't and hear that in earlier this, film sessions, yeah, this, probably, right? <laughs> On the lowlights. <laughs> I think I think Bill, and you know, having perspective of it of being ten years out now, I think Bill keeps it so business like for his players while they're here that because he knows eventually there's a tough decision he has to make. And that tough decision is that meeting I had with him when he said, you know, we think it's time, Teddy. Um, so him t- keeping that little emotional attachment separate is easier for him. And I understand that now because my relationship with, uh, coach Belichick with Bill post retirement is different. You know, I mean, I mean, I get a text and I'm like, what the heck, who is this guy? I mean, his, where did this come from? You know? And, but it never was that during your playing days, you know? So, I mean, it's, uh, you just know it's coming eventually. But uh, when he said that perfect player thing in the press conference, that's when I started to, oh, did he just say what I think he said? And it was extremely flattering. 
And I think he, he just referenced what it was for me from the beginning to the end in certain terms of the work that I put in, the transformation I had to go through, the changes I had to make. And that's all he's always talking about is developing your game to end up to change it to each offense to each to each defense what player are you this week can you do that type of thing can you pass rush for us yeah can you play linebacker for us can you play special teams I don't know if there was a role I didn't complete for him that he wanted me to do I could always do what he wanted me to do and you know when he said that that perfect player you know it was it sort of just put a cherry on top and I knew it was time to go and you only played in one uniform, and that doesn't happen a lot in, perspe- in yeah. professional sports now. And, yeah. and maybe that helps explain part of it, Teddy, is because you talked about a family, mm-hmm. and, you know, and this is a different place and everything like that. That all had to be part of that decision. Like, this is where I want to stay, and and how proud of you that there's only one helmet that you ever wore in the National Football League. Yeah, I'm a, guys, I'm extremely proud of that. Um, I just, I don't want to know what it was like anywhere else because. You know, unfortunately for me, this ended up becoming the standard on what everyone looks to. I like to think that I, you know, somewhat mold that standard in, into what it is. Um, and, then, and then again, there was a point where I was a free agent and I, I did trip to Cleveland. I did trip to Green Bay. I did trip to Seattle. I talked to the coaches and all of that stuff, but it just wasn't right. And I just wanted to go back. I mean, I remember walking into the Green Bay facility and that in the, in their foyer was the Super Bowl trophy that they beat us in 96. And I'm like, I'm not coming here. <laughs> There's no way I'm coming here. Forget that. Actually, put me on a plane right now, you know, um, I don't know. Just that that sense of loyalty that I have for for the organization is is very high, and I'm glad. And only that Patriot logo I wore. And, and it's not for everybody. Like you, you mentioned, yeah. how hard it is to play here. Yet you wanted to be here, but it's not for everybody. It isn't. And Bill Parcells laying my football foundation helped. You know, getting used to the no nonsense business pressurized work environment by that Coach Belichick puts on these players every single day. I mean, it's it's football, guys. I mean, it's if if you don't believe that, you know, you can lose. I mean, it's that type of that type of it's not fear, but that type of pressure that's created. If you make this mistake, this can happen. This is what you have to do to prevent that. It's it's a pressure cooker. And you have to be able to have that type of mental fortitude and mental toughness, which is they say all the time to deal with it. Every single day. You know, that's why I respect Tom. He's dealt with it with 20 years. I mean, to deal with that type of pressure for 20 years at the position that he plays too. It's, it's, you can't compare it. I mean, he's, he's not playing for uh, someone that has a, you know, a relationship with them and they're so close and they go out and have pizza and beer. It's someone that's always looking for him to do better. And that's hard. And that's hard. It was hard for me for all the years I spent with him. And I'm sure it's it's hard for every player, but it's something you got to have a special type of mentality. Do you think, Teddy, as only playing for one organization, did that um, influence you and your wife's decision to, you know what, let's put roots. We, we've got roots already here. Let's stay here. Let's raise our family here. Well, what happened was I got I ended up getting hired by another New England company. And that who knows helps. if that who knows if that doesn't happen? Right. If I wasn't a patriot, you know, so I mean, when I asked them how far is it, I mean they called me and they said, Do you want a job as an analyst? I hadn't even been there ever. And they offered me a job over the phone. A three year deal over the phone. And I'm like, uh, okay. 
two hour drive, I can do it. And so, I mean, it's not like an everyday thing. So many Allen's analysts, you're in and out throughout the course of, you know, the month. But, um, I've been at ESPN for 11 years wow. now. Almost I as know. much as playing for Almost the Patriots. Almost as much as playing for the <sighs> Patriots. And with that, I live in the same home that I lived in when I played here. I've I've raised three New Englanders. <laughs> and I'm proud of that. You know, I'm from California. My wife's from Arizona. We retire. It's like, all right, we'll think about where we're going to move. Okay, what do you what do you want to do? Boom, phone rings. I guess we're staying in New England. And so, but I got three kids that love it here. We've earned a we've learned to love it. I've loved it for a long time. And now um, I got a senior. I got a senior at uh, in high school, a freshman in high school. I got a freshman in college, and things are are just going great. We we love New England. If I told Teddy Bruschi your rookie back in nineteen ninety six, one day you'd run a marathon. What would that kid? <laughs> oh, yeah, what would, eleven. What would yeah. that kid have told me if I told him that? You are crazy, because uh, fellas, pre- preparing for that marathon, I only I had only run. One mile was the farthest I had ever run because with football, you just run hundreds, you know, hundreds or forties or fifties or twenties or something like that. So I started Teddy's team after my stroke in 2005 and our first marathon team was 2006, but 2006, 2007, 2008, I was still playing in the league. So all the runners were like, Teddy, when are you going to do it? When are you going to do it? I'm like, shoot, I'm trained for eight second bursts. <laughs> yeah, I don't do that. <laughs> so. Uh, That's some peer pressure. Yeah, That's I ended up taking on finally in 2012. In 2012, I ran it. And, geez, everybody remembers a member I mean, the, that ran the 2012 marathon. It was like 90 degrees on the pavement. And I ran it in like 5.30 or something like that, five hours and 30 minutes. Heidi and I ran it together, and it was just an ordeal. I was like, I'll never run it again. Um, so I just headed up the team in 2013, and the bombs went off. Right. And the incredible sense of, you know, community that was there and my runners. And it was like, boom, I'm going to run it with you again. And so I ran it again in 2014. Um, that, that day was so memorable, by the way, and with all of the, you know, remembering what had happened in the bombs and just the, the overall feeling of community and philanthropy over the course of that race was it was a special day. Um, and then I started to figure things out. I kept running. And then last year I decided to run it again and I ended up running like a, a 425. So I've wow. taken like an hour off wow. of my first time and <laughs> it just, I guess I just sort of turned into a runner now. I don't know. I sort of enjoy it and my runners are very inspirational and how can you not? So I got a great picture of him running the Falmouth road race last yeah, year. Yeah, ran right. the Falmouth. You yeah. were there. I'll run that again this year. Ran 10 miles the other day. I'm not running the marathon this year. Um, man, that's just hard to take on every year. But an ex- exciting news for Teddy's team. We just got into the New York City Marathon. Nice. And my foundation just continues to do things for stroke and heart disease. Um, something I'm very proud of. We also have something called the Comeback Assistance Program. We started up where, you know, we seek out people who are on their way for their, their form of their comeback after their stroke. And um, we try to assist them to achieve it. So very good things. The public sees you on television on ESPN, and they might not see all this other stuff that you're doing for stroke awareness and, and things like that. That must give you a real purpose in life where, sure, it's great to go down to Bristol and do the show, and it's a very yeah. public, forward-facing thing. But the reward that you get out of this other, that must make you feel good at night. Yeah, it's just 
I have I have the advantage of hearing from a lot of people when they see me out or through social media, whatever it may be, but that my runners don't. And that I've had a lot of people come up and say that I recognize my dad was having a stroke because of your awareness campaigns and you teaching people about the warning signs of stroke. And I got him to the hospital and it saved his life. And those multiple examples that I keep getting just give me inspiration to to keep doing it. And I just remember how I was when I was having my stroke and I just didn't know I was having a stroke. So it just like, boom, light went off. This is how I can help people. And so sometimes you hit over the head with something, you know, that uh, you need to make a difference with in, in the world. And this has been it for me. And I mean, this is something that I'll, I'll be doing for a while. We got him from the state of California via the University of Arizona, and now he is a true New Englander. <laughs> with a red jacket right, and all. Fellas. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Teddy, yeah. thanks for taking the time to spend some time with us today. Great. Great, great. time, fellas. Really great. appreciate Thank it. Thank you so much. Thanks, right. Teddy. Sure. My pleasure. Thank you for downloading this podcast. Subscribe on Apple, Google Play, and everywhere else you listen. Like the show? Please rate and review us. Listener comments and ratings help keep us high in the podcast rankings so new listeners can find us. Be sure to check Patriots.com for more news and more podcasts.